Pizza. Pizza? Pizza. Hunger for some pizza now? Yeah, that's what we thought. Get yours at Domino's Hawaii. We deliver aloha. This podcast is sponsored by Kapili Solar Roofing, building peace of mind one roof at a time. Kids City Adventure, Hawaii's only indoor luxury playground. And Long's Drugs. Download the CVS app today and make Long's a part of your day. It's Thursday, February 23rd, and this is now on HNN. A week after a teen was killed in a hit and run, city and state leaders announced their plans to improve traffic safety along a busy Honolulu street. The NTSB releases new details on a close call on the runway at the Honolulu International Airport. And across the mainland, winter weather wallops several states, with snow even being reported in Las Vegas. These stories and more coming up on This Is Now. Good afternoon. Eight days after 16-year-old Sarah Yara was killed by a hit-and-run driver on her way to school, city and state leaders announced new raised crosswalks on Kapiolani Boulevard and Pensacola around McKinley High School. These could be in place by late April. Casey Lund spoke with the victim's mother about the changes. Aloha from Kapilani and Kamakei. This is the intersection where that young girl was hit. They are planning, the DOT and the city, to add raised crosswalks here as well as at Pensacola Street uh, around McKinley High School. And that is where uh, Sarah Yara went to school, where she was going to school that morning. I want to speak with Chevy Yara, who's with us. Uh, that's Sarah's mother. We're also here with Chris Gallardi, and we're going to talk about him in a moment. But um, Chevy, I just want to ask you, is that enough, those those raised crosswalks? I know, I think you said yesterday it's a good place to start. What more do you want to see? I want justice for her. I Not only for her, but for the community. For people that drive reckless like that and has 164 records, not to just be lazy and push it under the rug and just make a plea deal, but actually bring in a law with people with that much record to do something about them. I know that um, so many people have, have reached out to your family and it's a really difficult time. It's only been a week. I'm sure it's still really painful, but you know, people like Chris. Chris, uh, you knew Sarah from a youth group she was in, you volunteered with. What made you want to come out here? You've been out here for the last three days. Um, what inspired you to do this? Just, uh, I got the time. I happened to be here almost every morning after I dropped my girlfriend off at of work and uh, I thought a crossing guard would be cool out here and so I just started doing it. and. Uh, it's cool. It worked out good and just something that I could, you know, Sarah, she, she touched a lot of people. Everybody's thinking about her and it's sad like saying that something like this is what has to bring up awareness. You know, people get DUIs, got a machine in their car to start the car. So there should be a way to keep guys like that off the street that, ha that driving. But long story short, uh, I just wanted to do something like we could pray and pray, but I wanted to pray and do something with actions and hopefully this helps uh, the take, the, take the percentage down of this ever happening again. What's the response been from not only the cars so much, but more the people that uh, you interact with, that you walk across the, the roadway here? Uh, what do they say to you when you're, when you're taking Everybody's, them by with the sign? They're, they're happy. Uh, I get here, I try to get here by 5.30 and there's a lot of Kapunas, ladies walking around with their dogs by themselves and uh, some of them feel a little bit scared yeah. walking through here and, you know, I, if 
if I can make them feel better and more safer, hey, that's a blessing. I love that. Chris Galerni, and, and what, how does that make you feel in, in all the pain and the tragedy surrounding this to see people like Chris, that your daughter uh, really meant so much to, uh, how do you feel? I feel blessed. I just feel blessed that, you know, God has surrounded us with many people at our church members that is surrounding us in prayer and just doing this out of the kindness of their time, you know. Thank you so much. I appreciate both of you. Thank you, Chris. Uh, thanks for being with us today again. A reminder, uh, Chevy said this earlier today as we were speaking with her on Sunrise to people to please slow down. Think about these kinds of tragedies that happen uh, not only recently, but really every year in our state. Again, the work on those raised crosswalks, including a red light camera, should begin within 30 days. The state says that work could be complete by mid to late April. Reporting uh, at Kapilani and Kamakei, I'm Casey Lund. For now, we'll send things back to you. For more on the topic of traffic safety in Hawaii, let's bring in now our Daryl Huff, who has been doing some extensive research and looking into this topic. Daryl, thanks for joining us. In light of these traffic incidents, you've been reporting extensively on unlicensed drivers in Hawaii's and uh, other drivers with a long list of traffic infractions. And in fact, yesterday you found some numbers uh, involving traffic accidents and unlicensed drivers. Can you tell us about that? Sure. It was actually a very striking thing is that I was referred to a particular legislative bill and I went back and looked at the hearing on YouTube and the prosecutor blurted out this statistic that I found kind of unbelievable. He said that 19% of the fatal accidents in Hawaii are involve unlicensed drivers and that's a crazy number because in fact you know probably only a very small proportion of hawaii drivers are running around unlicensed so for them to be causing that many accidents is striking and there's some logic to it because you lose your license usually for some kind of bad driving behavior now sure there's people who forgot to renew it there's people who for whatever reason might have lost it or whatever but those are going to be first offenders or second offenders they're not going to be these people who accumulate multiple license infractions like this. Um, and of course, the recent hit and run suspect in the Kapiolani incident was a chronic person driving without a license, had plea deal after plea deal, cutting down his penalties for that. I'd previously done a story about the death of two tourists on Kahuku by a similarly unlicensed, unregulated driver who was just driving regardless of the traffic laws and ultimately uh, is accused of killing that couple. What I subsequently learned that I added to my online story after I did the story about that number was that in 2021, the Department of Transportation says 25% of the fatal accidents were associated with unlicensed drivers. That's one in four. That's a problem. So, you know, now I think people are really starting to realize that there is this class of drivers out there who have no regard for the traffic laws and they're dangerous. Yeah, and the big question that we have been asking is what can be done to get these people off the roads? Well, you know, that is a complicated, there's a balancing act involved. I've been talking to police, I've been talking to prosecutors, I've been talking to legislators about, and attorneys about what could be possibly done. Um, there are a num number of theories. One uh, great gap that seems to exist right now is there is a real disregard for the seriousness in the court system of these offenses. They seem to think that people um, have a right to drive their cars, they need to get to work, there's an economic reason for them to have their cars and be able to drive, and so they've been very willing to plead down these cases so no one is going to jail for driving without a license 
even though it is a potential penalty in the law. Now, yesterday I watched in this hearing a public defender actually say, oh, well, we should reduce the penalties for driving without a license because that way we won't have them clogging up the court system so we can focus on more serious offenses. Well, I think that what maybe people are starting to realize is that a person driving without a license is also driving without really any um, disincentive to misbehavior on the road because the main thing that happens if you have a traffic violation and you don't pay it is you lose your license. If you don't care about your license, you don't care about those rules. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it definitely is up to the drivers to uh, listen and take note to these rules. And as you mentioned, some people just don't seem to care very much. Uh, we also understand that you've been looking into and doing some research into unpaid tickets. Uh, tell us about that. Well, see, that was where this investigation began, because when I looked into the Kahuku death case, I discovered that that driver, who's now charged with manslaughter, had run up more than $3,000 in unpaid fines. And what happens is we have decriminalized traffic offenses, which means if you run a red light or you speed up to a certain amount, it's not a crime. It's a civil violation. And what the court system does is if, if you don't pay that fine, if you don't mail in the check, we, you know, any of us who've had a, a violation, a parking ticket, know that you could just write a check and mail it in, and that's the end of it. There is no accumulation of your record. It used to be a point system. You had two moving violations, you got three points, you were in danger of losing your license. We've talked about how nobody cares about that. But anyway, people have been ignoring traffic violations to the point where, and I just arbitrarily picked 11 years. I asked for these numbers from the judiciary and it was $82 million in unpaid fines. $82 million. And that started to make me realize that there is this huge class of people out there who are completely outlawed delinquent drivers and they are a risk to all of us. Yeah, definitely. Well, Daryl, thank you so much for your insight on the topic of traffic safety. We'll be sure to cover more of this in the weeks ahead. And we've got more to look into, too. The Honolulu City Council has approved a $4.5 million settlement for four victims of a Makaha car crash involving HPD officers. It is the first of three lawsuits to settle in the case involving officers Joshua Nahulu, Eric Smith, and Jake Bartolome. Those three officers have been on restricted duty since September 2021, when they were accused of chasing the car without lights or sirens and failing to render aid after the crash. There were six people in the car, four were critically injured. The attorney representing the four passengers said his client has damage to his eye and others have broken bones in their spine. The other two passengers not covered in this settlement have their own pending lawsuits and the three officers involved could face felony charges. New at noon, we're learning more about a close call on the runway at Daniel K. Inouye International Airport. The NTSB issued a preliminary report this morning, a month after a runway incursion when a United Boeing 777 crossed in front of a Cessna that was landing on the same runway. The board says they came within 1,100 feet of each other, Fortunately, there were no injuries reported and neither aircraft suffered damage. Now to some tragic news out of Florida where a shooting killed a nine-year-old girl and a local television journalist. Now the suspect accused of murdering the two is just 19 years old. Two others were also injured. Manuel Bajorquez reports from Orlando. Um, I'm, I'm, I apologize. A local TV journalist was overcome with emotion covering the murder of one of their own Wednesday night outside Orlando. Spectrum News 13 says 24-year-old Dylan Lyons was killed. The Spectrum 13 reporter was engaged to be married. 
Well, I want to acknowledge what a horrible day this has been for our community and our media partners. The deadly rampage began near a crime scene where a woman was found shot in her car earlier in the day in the Pine Hills neighborhood. Police say for unknown reasons, the suspect returned to the scene. Deputies located two men who had been shot uh, in or near a vehicle. They are a News 13 reporter and photographer who were on the scene to cover the homicide from this morning. The gunman then allegedly went into a nearby home and shot a mother and her nine-year-old daughter, killing the child. Florida Congressman Maxwell Frost tweeted, My heart aches for my community and district. We've had more mass shootings than days in this year so far. This does not have to be our reality. I'm devastated. While the community searches for answers to another violent spate of gun violence in this country, police say the suspect is in custody. He's a 19-year-old with a lengthy criminal background. This is every reporter's absolutely worst nightmare. We, we go home at night afraid that something like this will occur. The sheriff says the mother of the child who was killed and the news photographer remain at this hospital in critical condition. He said the first victim, the woman who was killed in her car, was known to the suspect. What is unknown is why he allegedly returned to the scene to target the news crew and that mother and child. Manuel Bajorquez, CBS News, Orlando. Convicted R&B star R. Kelly has been sentenced to an additional 20 years in federal prison for child pornography. The 56-year-old is already behind bars, serving 30 years for sex trafficking in New York. The federal judge said this new sentence can be served concurrently. This case is the culmination of nearly three decades of allegations that Kelly had sexually abused underage girls. Also in high-profile legal news, Harvey Weinstein has been sentenced to a Another 16 years in prison after being convicted for the rape and sexual assault of an actor in California. This sentence is in addition to a 20-year sentence the former film executive is already serving for a similar conviction in New York. Weinstein addressed the court today and maintained his innocence. On the political landscape, so much happening in D.C. Let's bring in Hawaii News Now Washington correspondent Peter Zampa. Peter, thank you so much for uh, joining us. So many different topics to touch on. Let's start with this. Uh, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg visited East Palestine, Ohio today, where the uh, train derailment and the toxic chemical spill unfolded and the community still recovering from that. Uh, what came from his trip? Yeah, good to be with you, Mark. It's a trip a lot of folks have been looking for for a number of weeks now, and the, the secretary addressed that fact. But really, he was there to meet with leaders on the ground who are helping in the cleanup, who are helping in the investigative process to make sure that this never happens again. But he also addressed questions from reporters, and a lot of these questions centered around the fact that it has taken him three weeks to get to East Palestine, Ohio. A lot of folks wanted to see him there in the, the, the immediate aftermath. That did not happen. But he continually said this is a process. He wanted the National Transportation Safety Board, the NTSB, to do their work first, to do their investigation, to at least start that investigation before he got involved. But then he talked a lot about regulation today. He mentioned the fact that the last administration tried to deregulate certain parts of the industry, and he says he wants to go further with this to ensure safety. He says that's his number one priority right now. And we'll see how, how Congress will act in the aftermath of what happened in East Palestine, because at the end of the day, 
today, it's more up to Congress than it is this administration to ensure the safety of the railroads. They're the ones who have the power of regulation. The executive branch can do a decent amount, uh, but he kept asking Congress to do more, and that was really the takeaway message today. And the NTSB has released a preliminary report of the incident. What are the key insights? Well, notably, in a press conference today, the NTSB said this was 100% preventable. They are going to hold what they call a rare investigative hearing, a field hearing in East Palestine, to figure out what went wrong, to bring in witnesses, and again, to ensure this never happens again. The initial report sort of gives us a sense of what a lot of folks already knew, that uh, there was some overheating with some bearings, some wheel bearings on the train. Uh, the, the conductors tried to stop the train to no avail, and then they went ahead with what's called a vent and burn, which caused some of the toxicity in the air that we're seeing now. So a lot of insider stuff in that report, but really it shows that there were errors here and they were preventable. And now the curiosity is what kind of regulations can make it preventable, 100% preventable in the future. President Biden is back in the U.S. after speaking with NATO allies in Poland. Uh, what is he saying ahead of the one-year anniversary of the Russia-Ukraine war? Yeah, Mark, well, really unwavering support continues from the United States to the people of Ukraine. I spoke to the National uh, National Security Council Press Secretary John Kirby today about where things stand right now. And he says, look, we have some cold winter months ahead again, uh, but they have the support. They're going to continue having U.S. support. I also asked uh, Kirby about American fatigue when it comes to supporting Ukraine, because frankly, a lot of Americans are wondering how much longer we're going to keep shelling out money, how much longer we're going to keep giving important, crucial military materials over to another country. And he said, look, you have to look at it like this. It's about independence of a country, a foundational ideal for Americans. And it's also about what happens if we just let Putin run rampant in Europe. What are the consequences, not just there, but for the entire world? So he wants Americans to think about that as we come upon this one year anniversary and as we continue to see no end in sight, frankly. And finally, Peter, let's wrap up with this. Uh, the House Judiciary Committee is holding a meeting at the southwest border today. What is the purpose of this hearing? Yeah, Mark, well, really, this is one of those hearings that we knew would come when Republicans took over the House of Representatives in November, and it's just putting a big bullseye on this Biden administration. They're calling this hearing the Biden border crisis part two. So no Democrats are taking part in anything that sounds that partisan, but they're asking local officials about what the impact of immigration has been on specifically Yuma County in Arizona. They're talking to a sheriff there, a medical professional there, a county supervisor there, really to paint and help along their narrative that this administration has failed at the southwest border. White News Now, Washington correspondent Peter Zampa, always a busy man, tracking so much. Thank you so much. We appreciate your time. It's been nearly a month now since 700 gallons of fuel leaked into the ground after a generator failed at the Maui Space Surveillance Complex atop Haleakala. The U.S. Space Force is a separate branch of the armed services, but still a part of the Air Force, similar to how the Marines fall under the Navy. Air Force Secretary Frank Kendall said he'd like to remove the soil as fast as possible while making sure they are respectful of Hawaiian culture. The Department of the Air Force is very embarrassed by the fact that this has occurred. Our ongoing response to this fuel spill is a top priority. It's why I'm here today. Restoring the land and the trust will take deliberate, consistent action. In the military, we have a saying, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. So when it comes up, when it comes to the cleanup of this sacred land, the best way to move fast is to slow down and make sure you do the job right. 
We've asked the Department of Health if it plans to approve the excavation work and are waiting to hear back. The Space Force said it could receive approval as soon as today. Meanwhile, the Space Force also says the other six generators it operates in Hawaii are all running properly. Oh, turning our attention to weather now, let's give you a live look at New York City as severe weather is making its presence felt across the nation. We'll have more on what is happening nationwide in just a bit. But first, the forecast here at home with our guy, Hockey. So today, we're talking 15 to 25. Notice the streamlines change to that 30-mile-an-hour range, and that's through Monday. And then starting on Monday, going into Tuesday and Wednesday, the winds get even firmer, according to this wind model. We could see gusts upwards of 40, 50 miles an hour the Tuesday-Wednesday time frame. So heads up on that. So for Kauai, a nice run of beautiful weather. Yeah, there will be some scattered windward and Malka showers in the early morning and overnight hours. That's not going to change anytime soon. But there's also going to be lots of leeward sunshine. We're expecting fewer showers for Maui County, and we have highlighted Tuesday and Wednesday because these are the days when the winds are going to get especially strong. A massive winter storm is sweeping across the country, threatening 76 million people in 26 states. Christina Ruffini has more from Minneapolis. In Awatana, Minnesota, blizzard conditions forced a big rig off the highway and caused more than 100 crashes across the state, prompting this warning from officials. If at all possible, avoid travel the next few days. In Moorcraft, Wyoming, a similar scene as a semi skidded off the road. The February front stranded thousands of Americans at airports across the country. More than 6,500 flights were delayed and 1,700 canceled. In New Mexico, powerful gusts cause highway light poles to sway. Wind speeds hit up to 50 miles an hour in some parts of the country, knocking down trees and power lines. In Michigan, a pawpaw volunteer firefighter died while responding to a downed line. And in Wisconsin, people worked hard to dig out more than half a foot in some areas. As much as 19 inches is expected to fall in Flagstaff, Arizona by Friday morning, they even got flakes in Vegas on Wednesday. It's hailing in Pasadena. And in Southern California, it hailed in Los Angeles County. <laughs> Students at Pasadena Polytech got a lesson in winter weather. It's currently about 16 degrees here in Minneapolis, but it feels a lot closer to the wind chill, which is hovering around zero. The snow is expected to fall throughout the afternoon and into tomorrow, possibly as much as two inches per hour. Christina Ruffini, CBS News, Minneapolis. Well, taking a look at some fun talkers online. Now, Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers typically makes headlines for the unorthodox way he spends his off seasons. And uh, this is quite a story. The former MVP just emerged from a four-day darkness retreat. Mm. It's what it sounds like. He went to a property in Southern Oregon known for offering this kind of alternate form of therapy, spent four days in the dark. It is partially underground, 300 square feet with a bed, bathroom, and a space for meditation. Uh, and it's quite popular, booked for the next 18 months, and hundreds of people are on the wait list. Um, you know, you look online, a lot of people have varying opinions about this, but I don't know. Sounds peaceful. Stay at home, turn off your lights, close the doors, <laughs> save you some money right there. I don't know. <laughs> you know, the cool thing about it, too, is that, I mean, you can 
turn on the lights at any time and you know it, it just going out to this place though it, yeah. it, it just sounds amazing and you know really a great retreat to it unplug. sounds interesting i'll say that <laughs> a way to unplug something else interesting hey if you look into the night sky um you might see a pretty cool sight uh, Jupiter and Venus can be seen almost in alignment with the moon. I actually took this picture last night. Uh, this is in Waikela area. I was taking out the trash and I was like, oh, what is those lights? <laughs> I asked our, our first alert weather team and they said it is Venus and Jupiter. You, if you look towards the west today, you might be able to see it once again. Very, very beautiful stuff out there. And that's going to do it for us here on this edition of This Is Now. Be sure to tune in. First at 4 is happening on KHNL. Have a great day, everyone. This podcast is sponsored by Kapili Solar Roofing, building peace of mind one roof at a time. Kids City Adventure, Hawaii's only indoor luxury playground, and Long's Drugs. Download the CVS app today and make Long's a part of your day. Pizza. Pizza? Pizza. Hungry for some pizza now? Yeah, that's what we thought. Get yours at Domino's Hawaii. We deliver aloha.